Here it is. From deep inside your audio device of choice. You're beginning to think that uh, there's nothing really pleasant to look forward to in the future. Ladies and gentlemen, I got news for you. Japan Airlines is reportedly adding a baby symbol to its online seat booking system. This would allow passengers to pick a seat, maybe away from a crying baby. It's not entirely clear this is really a new feature, according to the the Register, a British tech journal. But uh, it's causing a, a, a stir on Twitter, or a, a twit on stirrer. The icon covers kids from the ages of eight days to two years, because babies younger than eight days aren't allowed on board. Did you know that? The website says this lets other passengers know a child may be sitting there. Thank you, Japan. I, I haven't flown Japan Airlines, I don't think, ever in my life. But if they fly L.A. to New Orleans, I am on. And now, we are not number one. Well, Freedom House, wouldn't you like to live in that house? They have a a thing called Freedom in the World recording. They have global declines in political rights and civil liberties for 13 consecutive years from 2005 through 2018. The global average freedom score has declined each year, and countries with net score declines have consistently outnumbered those with improvement. Examples? Oh, well, consolidated democracies slip. Social and economic changes related to globalization have contributed to a crisis of confidence in the political systems of long-standing democracies. (laughs) Yeah, not us. The democratic erosion seen among free countries is concentrated in consolidated democracies, those who were rated free from 1985 through 2005. Take Hungary. Hungary's status declined from free to partly free due to sustained attacks on the country's democratic institutions by the Prime Minister Viktor Orban. Serbia's status declined from free to partly free. Deterioration in the conduct of elections. (laughs) Continued attempts by the government and allied media outlets to undermine independent journalists. Nah, never happened. And um, Nicaragua. Nicaragua status declined from partly free to not free due to authorities' repression of an anti-government protest movement. Uganda's status declined from partly free to not free due uh, to attempts by the long-ruling president to restrict free, free expression. Zimbabwe, forget it. Oh, they improved from not free to partly free because of the uh, 2018 election. So it was deeply flawed. It guaranteed a degree of legitimacy to the new government. And, yes, we're not number one. The United States is in decline. Challenges to American democracy are testing the stability of its constitutional system and threatening to undermine political rights and civil liberties worldwide. Democracy in America remains robust by global standards. It has weakened significantly over the past eight years. So, it's not just one guy, apparently. This year, the United States' total score on the 100-point scale remains the same as 2017. Two indicators change in opposite directions. The score for freedom of assembly improved with an upsurge of civil action and demonstrations. 
The score for equal treatment before the law declined due to government policies and actions that improperly restricted the legal rights of asylum seekers. Signs of discrimination in the acceptance of refugees for resettlement and excessively harsh or haphazard immigration enforcement policies. The United States currently receives a score of 86 out of 100, placing us below other major democracies such as France, Germany, and the United Kingdom. The United States' closest peers with respect to total freedom in the world scores are Belize, Croatia, Greece, Latvia, and Mongolia. We're not number one. Hello, welcome to the show. When I was young in London bound A taste of cold dust still in my sound The loss of leaving all around I looked to a distant star To the music that would stir my soul When across the sea came jelly roll And when rainier pavements took their toll I dreamt of America Land meant to me. 
Well, my heart begins to stir. I still dream of a memory. From London, England, I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to this edition of the show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, news of the warm. It won an award once. <sighs> Go figure. Soft, listen to the warm. We can listen to the warm. Well, you can kiss your wheat goodbye. It'll be cream of nothing coming up. In a new study, researchers found that unless steps are taken to mitigate climate change, up to 60% of current wheat-growing areas worldwide could see simultaneous, severe, and prolonged droughts by the end of the century. Wheat just happens to be the world's largest rain-fed crop in terms of harvested area. It supplies about 20% of all calories consumed by humans. So other species, I guess, don't have to worry. The, re the risk of widespread drought in wheat production areas is four times the level that scientists see today, according to the, one of the authors of the study, Song Feng. Studies published in the journal Science Advances. The droughts would be a shock to the food production system. You know, and the bread and the pasta and the thing. For most plants, carbon dioxide acts like a steroid. The more they can take in, the bigger they get. But in a new study published by the Smithsonian, scientists discovered something strange happens in marshes. <laughs> now, they, now they notice. No, under higher levels of carbon dioxide, instead of producing bigger stems, marsh plants produced more stems. They were smaller. I don't think anybody expected this, said Meng Lu, lead author of the new study, published in Nature Climate Change. Year, uh, for years now, scientists had known that carbon dioxide was bulking up the total biomass of marsh plants, so it seemed natural to think they were getting bigger, too, stems and such, you know, individual plants. Liu is a research professor in China's Yunnan University, made the discovery while working at uh, the Smithsonian Research Center. So what happens is um, carbon dioxide is like um, one part of the plant diet. The stems are shrinking because plants need another nutrient as well, nitrogen. If we get more carbon, we need more nitrogen to feed the plant, says Lou. Carbon dioxide and nitrogen are like food for plants. If carbon dioxide provides their sugar, nitrogen provides their protein. Without nitrogen, the extra CO2 will not make the plants grow bigger stems. Instead, the plants will spread their roots further below ground, trying to get more ni nitrogen out of the soil. And because most marsh plants reproduce by making copies of themselves, clones, they naturally send up more stems above ground as their roots spread. This means more plants rather than bigger ones. The world's oceans have long helped to stave off climate change by absorbing heat and carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. That is changing, too. Devastating consequences for humanity in the coming decades, implied by this, according to leading researchers 
in a report commissioned by the U.N. Oh, the U.N. again. The rate at which oceans are warming has doubled since the early 90s. Marine heat waves are becoming more frequent and intense. This is shaping ocean ecosystems and fueling more powerful storms. And as the oceans absorb CO2, they're becoming more acidic. (sighs) Much like me. The oceans can't keep up with humanity's greenhouse gas output, says Co. Barrett, vice chair of the International Panel on Climate Change. The consequences for nature and humanity are sweeping and severe, says Barrett. Fisheries will falter. The average strength of hurricanes will increase. Rising seas will increase the risk of flooding in low-lying areas. More than 100 scientists from 30 countries contributed to the report, which projects that sea levels could rise by up to three and a half feet by 2100 if uh, we do business as usual. That's more, about four inches more than the IPCC CCC estimated in its last comprehensive report on the global climate way back in 2013. A geoscientist at Penn State says the latest report sea level rise projections are conservative. But not alt-right, I guess. Repeated disasters and environmental changes on Louisiana's Gulf Coast are rapidly eroding the land and along with it an indigenous tribe's ability to sustain its culture, health, and livelihoods, according to new research. This is about Homa, not Sweet Homa. Shenandoah Bilio, professor at the University of Illinois, interviewed 160 members of the United Homa Nation living in Terrebonne Parish, that's southwest of New Orleans, about the effect of climate change and land loss on their families. She spent six months in the community recruiting study participants. She is a tribe member herself had to work with the tribe. They were a little suspicious of outsiders, even though she is a tribal member. Environmental change is whittling away Louisiana's coastline. Scientists predict an erosion and rising sea levels will consume an area comparable in size to that of Baltimore and Washington, D.C. by 2050. Many of the Homa tribe earned their living through fishing, shrimping, trapping, and other subsistence activities. The landscape is changing so rapidly, fishermen say they can no longer navigate by sight, must rely instead on GPS, just like Uber drivers. Participants who are away from the coast for a few months or a season have trouble recognizing certain places when they return and easily get lost. Maybe that's... They can't go out to these islands where they used to go and show their grandchildren how to trap, said Bilio. They can't show them where some of their ancestors are buried because that land is not there anymore. Tribe members expressed a deep sense of grief about the land that is gone, and they did not seem hopeful that future generations will be able to continue the traditional way of life because the land has changed so much during their lifetime. You're welcome, HOMA members. News of the Warm, copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Now let's look on the brighter side. Of course, I'm kidding when I say that. It's News of the Olympic Movement. Produced by Jim Eversall III. Is Tokyo Bay's water safe? I know you've been mulling that for months yourself, but this is in Nikkei Asian Review. That's asking the question. 
The cancellation of a triathlon event in August has raised concerns about pollution at one of the venues for the 2020 Summer Olympics and thrown the spotlight on problems with Tokyo's sewage treatment system. High levels of E. coli bacteria were detected at uh, the Marine Park. That forced the swimming leg of the para-triathlon World Cup to be called off in mid-August. The problem... Tokyo's sewer system sometimes discharges inadequately treated or even untreated waste into untreated waste into Tokyo Bay when the city is hit by torrential rain. It smelled like a toilet, one athlete commented at a test event days before the planned World Cup. Following multiple complaints of the piercing stench, the organizers of the event were forced to change the triathlon to a duathlon, running, cycling, then more running. The water was too dirty to swim in. The presence of E. coli was recorded at twice the level, more than twice the level, set by the International Triathlon Union. They set a limit on E. coli. Bacteria levels fell below the limit by the end of the day. Officials said heavy rain in Tokyo from a typhoon had overwhelmed the city's sewage treatment capacity, causing dirty water to flow into the venue. That'll look good on the TV, will it? You know, it's brown, but just how much dirty water flows into the um, rivers in Tokyo. In fiscal 2017, a total of 170 million cubic meters of lightly treated wastewater was discharged from Tokyo's sewer system facilities. The amount of untreated water released on days of torrential rain is not known. The uh, Tokyo Organizing Committee considered moving the venue for next summer's open water events to Yokohama. That idea was shot down by the International Triathlon Union. The ITU wants to hold races against the backdrop of the Rainbow Bridge, a telegenic suspension bridge that crosses the northern part of Tokyo Bay. Yes, TV wins again. To prevent polluted water from flowing into the uh, venue, Tokyo 2020 organizers are going to install three layers of polyester screens around the venue before the games. Only one layer of screens was in place back in August. Last year, the three-layer method was tested and yielded satisfactory results. Well, that's what we really wanted in the Olympics, is satisfactory screening of sewage. The screens were able to ensure adequate water quality, even after heavy rain. Said one local official... We don't know what will happen. When the wind is strong, however, waves could spill over the screens. And then when they're through with the Olympics, three layers of polyester screens will join our collection of plastic pollution in the oceans. Thanks to the Olympics, it's a movement. And we all need one. Every day. And speaking of plastics and microplastics and plastics and more plastics, Canadian researchers have found that some plastic tea bags shed high levels of microplastics into water. The World Health Organization says such particles in drinking water don't appear to pose a risk, but they say the findings are based on limited information. 
calling for greater research on the issue. The researchers from McGill University in Montreal also called for more investigation into the health effects of microplastics. I think everybody's calling for that, aren't they? I know I am. For the study, they bought four different commercial teas packaged in plastic tea bags. Most tea bags, ladies and gentlemen, in case you didn't know, are made from paper. A small amount of plastic is used to seal them shut. Because you don't want glue, I guess. Some premium brands, though, have switched to using greater amounts of plastic mesh for their product. Why? Why would that be premium? Well, so the tea bag is held in a pyramid shape, which they claim helps the tea leaves infuse better. Refried infusion, ladies and gentlemen. Just one word. Microplastics. And now let's catch you up on an area you may not have been following recently that's exploded into this week's news. But 
Authority of New York and New Jersey and other transportation agencies that shared almost $11 billion in Hurricane Sandy relief funds, they were supposed to hire independent monitors, you know, just to make sure the money was properly spent, is all. The Federal Transit Administration never followed through to make sure the watchdogs were actually watching the dogs, uh, uh, the, the money. That's according to a report issued by the U.S. Department of Transportation's Inspector General. Five agencies, Port Authority, New Jersey Transit, Connecticut Department of Transportation, New York City Department of Transportation, and New York's Metropolitan Transit Authority received more than $100 million in federal funds and were therefore required to hire monitors. But the Inspector General told the Federal Transit Administration to issue guidelines as to what information needed to be reported every quarter and to ensure the state and regional agencies tell the federal government of settlements reached with contractors that could include federal funds. Until this guidance is implemented, the report said, FTA, the Federal Transit Administration, who knew, may not realize the full benefits of the Integrity Monitor Program, Hurricane Sandy funds may be at risk. In addition, the agencies in question did not report incidents of fraud involving non-Sandy funds, Sandy funds wasn't miss. Even though some of the same contractors later received Sandy money when they might have been disqualified by the uh, fraud on the non-fund non-Sandy funds, the Inspector General also recommended that the FTA, no, 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 the Federal Transit Administration, make arrangements to get back a million in federal funds after the Port Authority reached a fraud settlement with its contractors. That was fraud. Yeah, it was. Okay, that's a settlement. On a spring day in April five years ago, officials at the CIA's watchdog office slapped yellow crime scene tape and heavy-duty combination locks on an employee's office door, and security walked him out of the building for allegedly accessing information he wasn't supposed to have, according to Yahoo News. Yahoo Yanu Hoos. But more than five years later, external investigators reviewed the case and concluded that a former attorney in the CIA office of the inspector general was retaliated against by his bosses who were hoping to expose and ferret out whistleblowers inside the office. Sound topical? The uh, former attorney in the CIA IG office is named Andrew Bakaj. A new unclassified summary of a years-long investigation conducted by the Department of Homeland Security's inspector general doesn't cite Bakaj by name, but it says the CIA watchdog opened a retaliatory investigation into an employee who was cooperating with a separate review of the office. At the time, the Intelligence Community's Inspector General, which conducts independent audits, as you know now, 
and reviews across the spy agencies was investigating concerns about potential evidence manipulation at the CIA Inspector General's office. Issues that Bikaj and others, some of whom are still anonymous, had raised. The Department of Homeland Security's Inspector General was called in to make an impartial decision about whether the administrative suspension of Bakaj and loss of clearance was, in fact, retaliation for cooperating with investigators. The attorney for Bakaj says the CIA retaliated against him. Well, in light of this week's developments, we should probably keep an eye on that. And speaking of this week's developments, so for those of you who don't think there's enough synchronicity in the world, this week was a um, happy rejoinder. The figures who have won high office on both sides of the Atlantic in the English-speaking, two English-speaking nations, um, by structuring themselves, by presenting themselves as enemies of the system. The system is corrupt. The system is rigged. The system has to be resisted. The system will retaliate. Well, both of them found that the system, if it didn't retaliate, at least uh, had a few error, error, <laughs> arrows left in its quiver. In Britain, the UK Supreme Court told Prime Minister Boris Johnson that his attempt to shut down Parliament for five weeks during a time when um, they're nearing the deadline as to whether or not and how to leave the European Union, that that was unlawful, that the prime minister had broken the law. And in the United States, after holding off progressive Democrats in the House of Representatives who have been itching for an impeachment inquiry all year long, ever since the Democrats took control of the House of Representatives, really. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi announced this week there's going to be one because of the revelations that tumbled out this week about the president, <laughs> President Trump having a, uh, a conversation with the newly elected former TV comedian, now president of Ukraine, in which um, the president of the United States kind of hinted in a kind of code that it would be nice if the uh, president of Ukraine would uh, launch an investigation into former Vice President Joe Biden's son, who was on the board of an energy company in Ukraine. And um, the, not a transcript, but um, what's called a rough transcript, from the note takers of that phone call was released this week, followed by the release of a whistleblower's complaint. And he was revealed by the New York Times as somebody who worked at the CIA. That should narrow it down. Uh, and that complaint said this wasn't the only time that there had been a telephone conversation by the president which aroused concerns among White House officials, and that, that, and and the transcript of which had been moved from the normal computer system to a super-secret computer system in the White House. 
So you you probably know all that. Uh, but amazing synchronicity that these two standard bearers for resisting the system have found that the uh, system doesn't like being resisted so much. Ultimately, when you push it push it hard enough, far enough, what you may not what you may have missed a couple of other story a couple of related stories here in the United States or there in the United States. I'm in London, you know. Um, one that the pres- President Trump was recorded. I mean, he's in a room with a bunch of people and they're holding up phones. And he still uh, is talking about, he's very angry about this whistleblower. Basically, that person never saw the report, never saw the call, really never saw the call, heard something and decided that he or she, whoever the hell it is, sort of like almost a spy. I want to know who's the person that gave the whistleblower, who's the person that gave the whistleblower the information? Because that's close to a spy. You know what we used to do in the old days when we were smart, right? With spies and treason. We used to handle it a little differently than we do now. He was speaking to diplomats, American diplomats, and they, and they chuckled at the... Uh, at the reference to execution. And uh, also, you may have missed, there were reports in, uh, I think it was either the New York Times or the Washington Post or both, that the Trump administration was considering, the White House was considering, setting up a war room to deal now with this uh, prospect of impeachment, or at least impeachment inquiry. And they were considering hiring former campaign manager, Corey Lewandowski to uh, head the war room. Within a day, the White House announced, we're not going to do that. Sounds like this. This week, for the first time, the team is playing for the biggest stakes, and they're not Trump stakes. And for the businessman turned chief executive, what's at stake is the fate of the show itself. Richard. Richard Spencer? Yes, sir. You're so new as acting defense secretary, and I still have to read it off the card. Well, there have been quite a few of us. Here's the deal. You don't have to act like you're secretary of defense. When you're acting secretary, you're already acting, right? Well, I... I can tell you this. Anyone can act. Mm. I should have won acting Emmys every year in that show, but... You know, the Academy is almost as unfair as the Nobel Prize people. That I can tell you. Well, you did a great job of telling me, sir. Richard, don't believe what you hear about me. You don't have to flatter me. No, sir. Well, But it doesn't hurt. So listen, you got a task this week that only you can accomplish. You or a real defense secretary, which we don't have, which is why... Sir, I'm career Navy. Taking orders is what I've been doing my whole life. Ready and willing, sir. See... I wish I had more like you, (laughs) because they're loyal. So, here's a story. You know, there's a guy pretending to be a whistleblower, right? Like, I'm sure there's only one thing he knows how to blow, his own horn. (laughs) He and the turncoats who talk to him, they're like spies, right? Well, they shared information that otherwise would have remained (laughs) unshared, so... Right, that's what spies do. Lots of people are telling me that. And back when you and I, I mean... I'm older than you. 
But we both know what they used to do with spies when you caught them, okay? Not exactly minimum security prison, right? Sometimes I know we've exchanged our spies with those of other countries, so... But these are our own people. Who are we going to exchange them with? Us? How the hell would that work? So look, you get command of a lot of firepower. Sir, it's an awesome arsenal at our disposal, thanks to your remarkable build-up. Yeah, 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 blah, 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 my build-up. And of course, we hope we never have to use them. Right, but if you never use them, what the hell's the point? Well... So, you've got defense intelligence the best, right? Mm Mm-hmm. You can find out who this phony whistleblower is, and then, let's say, blow the whistle right out of his or her wherever. Well, usually kinetic response has to be activated through a certain process. This, this right here, this is the process. This is plenty process. The only thing that needs more processing is my food. So, Richard, Mm -hmm. I'm looking at you. Mm -hmm. The camera's looking at you. Mm -hmm. America's looking at you. (laughs) Can you do it? Well, I really should speak to my general counsel. Please. Your general counsel can kiss my general Heine. <laughs> Here, I'll put you in touch with Rudy. He's smarter than two dozen general counsels. He'll tell you himself. I can get him on speed dial. Sir, I think what I should do is uh, get back to my office. Your acting office? Right. And uh, get my people together and uh, consult with them, and then I'll... Okay. But just remember one thing, Richard. Yes, sir. Your people are very fine people. Oh, I know. But actually, they're my people. Corey. Yes, sir. First time you've been here, right? Well, work to help you get here, but... Not such a dump, right? You and the First Lady have done an amazing job here. Got all the Obama out of here, right? Pretty darn mainstream, sir. Well done. So, look... You were perfect in front of that stupid fake committee a couple weeks ago. Thank you, sir. I, I think I treated them with just enough contempt to avoid being cited for contempt. That's a cute way of putting it. I just thought you treated them like dickheads. Well, that's brilliant, sir. You must have gone to the best schools. Eh, they were okay. Best school I ever went to was the University of Fred Trump. Hmm. Believe me. So, I'm sure you've been paying attention to the fake news. Well... Fake attention, sir. (laughs) Seriously, of course, it's a disgrace. More than a disgrace, it's disgusting. That too. There was that report that we were considering uh, some kind of impeachment war room thing, Mm -hmm. like that Mm -hmm. something we care about or something we would do or something, and that we were going to put you in charge of it? I've been waiting for a new task, sir, but that, uh, that smelled like fake news for sure. Actually, that was true. Oh. Well... I am in the middle of a senatorial campaign in uh, New Hampshire. Sure. The one you used the committee to promote. Right. But if you need me to run the impeachment war room, and run a full-on balls-out counterattack on these pathetic hacks, believe me, sir, I'll end that campaign so fast it'll make... Here's the deal. Mm-hmm. Your task this week is to not end your Senate campaign. Excuse me, sir. I thought I heard you say not end. I mean... I'd love to do both, but I got a wife, four kids. At some point, I'm going to want to have to spend more time with my family. Corey, that time is now. You know me well enough to know that despite my TV acting, I hate firing people that work for me. Yes, sir. It's one of the great endearing aspects. But you haven't been working for me. Right, but now... So this doesn't bother me at all. You're fired. 
Go take your family to New Hampshire. Was it something I said or, or did? Or? All I know is the leak about you joining us, it didn't test well. New team, new tasks, same mission. We're going to make the punishment for spying great again. Now, the world is his boardroom. The Presidentus. This week, it's must-see TV. And that's not just a slogan. Now, news of our friend the Atom. Clean, safe, too cheap to meet. Safe, cheap, too cheap to meet. Safe, safe, too safe to meet. Safe, safe, too safe to meet. There's a nuclear power station being built in Somerset in southwest England called Hinkley Point, and something is hinky at Hinkley. Thank you. It's going to cost about $2.5 billion more to build than previously estimated. And it's going to miss its deadline for completion. Aside from that, Mrs. Lincoln, the energy firm EDF released an update this week that warns of this uh, overspending. Could be as high as uh, $3.59 billion, putting total costs for the project at between $26 billion and $27 
$1.8 billion. And that doesn't count what it's going to cost to decommission it at the other end of its lifespan. The company blamed challenging ground conditions, which made earthworks more expensive than anticipated. We found some stones, revised action plan targets, and extra costs needed to implement the completed functional design. That's nice and vague. It was uh, meant to be providing power to the UK by Christmas 2017. It's now expected to uh, start turning the lights on, not before 2025. The National Audit Office in the UK warned two years ago that the government had subjected the country to, quote, a risky deal in a changing energy marketplace, unquote, because the government has promised to pay the builder, EDF, a fixed fee of $114 per megawatt hour for the next 35 years. Oh, that's not good. Nuclear power is in danger of pricing itself out of the energy market in Europe. That's from Bloomberg. Electricité de France's announcement that the investment needed for two new reactors in the UK, Hinkley Point and one other, um, highlighted rising costs for the industry. Additional nuclear plants in Finland and France are also behind schedule and over budget. Well, maybe that's just the way you're doing business. That's a business model. The industry's woes contrast with swiftly falling costs for wind and solar, especially for erecting power generation turbines at sea. If the industry is incapable to deliver on time and on budget, other options are going to take over, says an independent consultant on nuclear policy. The winds that previously supported nuclear power, the political winds, are changing across Europe. Governments everywhere are searching for low-carbon technologies to replace coal. But cost questions more often are pushing them towards renewables. In France, President Macron has asked EDF to prove he can build new nuclear stations at a lower cost. Apparently... He hasn't been reading about Britain. The government is rolling out a series of auctions for wind farm capacity. And in Finland, a 1.6 gigawatt nuclear project was supposed to connect to the grid a decade ago, is still waiting to do so amid cost overruns and legal issues. Tom? Legal issues. Yeah. Nuclear power is losing ground to renewables in terms of both cost and capacity as its reactors are increasingly seen as less economical and slower to reverse carbon emissions. Reuters quotes an industry report saying this week. In mid-2019, new wind and solar generators competed efficiently against even existing nuclear power plants in cost terms and grew generating capacity faster than any other power type. That's according to the World Nuclear Industry Status Report, the WNISR. Stabilizing the climate is urgent. Nuclear power is slow, says the lead author of the report. It meets no technical or operational need that low-carbon competitors cannot meet better, cheaper, and faster. Since 2009, the average construction time for reactors worldwide was just under 10 years, well above the estimate given by the industry body, the World Nuclear Association. The extra time that nuclear plants take to build has major implications for climate goals as existing fossil fuel plants continue to emit CO2 while awaiting The nuke plants firing up. To protect the climate, we must abate the most carbon at the least cost and in the least time, says the author of the report. Clean, cheap, too delayed to meet her, our friend the Adam. And now, the Apologies of the Week. 
for you. Yes, we do it all for you. NBC Saturday Night Live fired new cast member Shane Gillis in response to recent racist and homophobic comments he made on a podcast last year. The firing came four days after they announced he was hired. The language he used is offensive, hurtful, and unacceptable, said the statement from SNL. We're sorry that we did not see these clips earlier and that our vetting process was not, to, not up to our standard, unquote. The founder and CEO of Relevant magazine is stepping away from the evangelical Christian publication just days after former staffers raised concerns about his past behavior. They described it as racially insensitive and toxic. Cameron Strang announced his leave of absence in a post published on the magazine's website. He did not dispute the accounts of former staffers and apologized for his past actions, which he repeatedly described as toxic. I've caused pain to a lot of people, he said, and I'm deeply sorry. He's taking an extended period of time to engage a process of healing, growth, and learning. He's going to seek counseling by reaching out to Christian leaders about ways I can grow and better understand important issues, especially about race and equality. The magazine will be assembling an accountability board to assist with the transition. Relevant magazine, ladies and gentlemen. Becoming irrelevant. I bet IKEA found themselves in hot water over a new jerk chicken dish. Many on Twitter were quick to point out it didn't use traditional Caribbean ingredients. Stores in the UK recently announced the addition of the item to their menu. And a backlash followed. This is IKEA's jerk chicken and rice and peas, and no, I'm not eating it, wrote one Twitter user. The photo showed a piece of jerk chicken next to a bed of white rice and green peas. One newspaper in Britain pointed out traditionally, Caribbean jerk chicken dishes are made with rice that's cooked with kidney beans or gungo peas, not green peas. The company apologized. IKEA is a Swedish home furnishing company with a much-loved food offer. We take inspiration from many countries around the world and have always worked to combine different flavors and ingredients. We're aware that our new jerk chicken served with, served with rice and peas has created some conversation and in some cases offense, said uh, country food manager for IKEA UK. Our intention... She continued, was to create a dish for many people to enjoy. We appreciate we may have got it wrong. We apologize, and we're now re-looking at the dish. Look at the dish. Students at two Southern California high schools will undergo a one-day workshop on tolerance. That'll do her. After a football game was marred by racial slurs directed at the visiting team. San Clemente High School principal Chris Carter apologized to the students of Lincoln High in San Diego. Those students were taunted with racial slurs at a football game about two weeks ago. One day tolerance training? Snap. A Boyle County, Kentucky magistrate who made a joke about the local tourism director's legs at a public meeting said it was a regrettable, stupid comment and he intends to behave differently from now on. I made the most regrettable comment I've ever made in my life, said magistrate Phil Sammons. I'm very sorry for that. I'll always hate that comment. He says he has apologized multiple times to tourism director Jennifer Kirchner, to the fiscal court, and to the public. He said he wanted to once again apologize to the public and to members of the fiscal court for the comment which, quote, this old boy will never make again. You'll see a different magistrate out of me. The jokes will stop at the door. That's what should happen with humor by amateurs. The Miss America Corporation has apologized for a scholarship amount announcement. 
issue this week. It drew criticism from past pageant contestants and volunteers and continued the bye-bye bikini controversy. The new scholarship added to the competition was overshadowed by a statement toward the end of the news release that detailed why the scholarship's benefactor wasn't allowed to compete in a local Miss America pageant in the 1980s. The donor made clear the important reason for the generous gift. As a young woman who wanted to compete in the 1980s, she was discouraged by her parents because they believed, quote, Miss America does not look like us, and an educated woman does not parade around in a swimsuit, unquote, the news release. Yesterday, Miss America organization announced a new scholarship included a quote from the donor's parents that has offended members of the Miss America community. Miss America organization did not put the quote in the context of the 1980s in which it was spoken and erroneous stereotypes that were prevalent at that time. The quote, uh, that's the statement, the quote attributed to the woman's parents struck a chord with many former Miss Americas who competed during the so-called 1.0 era of the pageant. This is now, of course, the 2.0. There's no correlation between getting an education and wearing a swimsuit, said uh, a former Miss New Jersey. The uh, Miss America pageant said, we sincerely apologize to our dedicated participants, volunteers, and fans. We genuinely hope our misstep does not detract from the intent of this valuable new scholarship or the openness and inclusivity of the Miss America organization's vision, unquote. Was the writer of that news release wearing a bikini at the time? I doubt it. The in memoriam segment of the Emmys made a mistake. The... Um, tribute to the late composer Andre Previn instead used a photo of 75-year-old conductor Leonard Slatkin still living. Emmy producers, the TV Academy, it's an academy, and Fox apologized in a statement calling the mix-up an error. The error was first pointed out by Slatkin on Twitter. He's got to be alive. He's on Twitter. A teacher who told Freeport, Long Island middle school students in social studies classes to, quote, make it funny and don't bore me after asking them to write captions for pictures of African-American slaves has apologized for the assignment, according to District Superintendent Kishore Kuncham. The mayor of Redding, California, Julie Winter, has become the latest uh, politician to apologize to Native American tribal leaders for the violence perpetrated against their ancestors in America. She said she didn't think such an acknowledgement had ever been given by a local politician. Google says it will improve the way it informs customers about how their Google Assistant voice recordings are used. Google had cooperated with a language expert. He had, quote, violated our data security policies by leaking confidential Dutch audio data. Google Assistant Senior Product Manager now says the company, it is, says the company fell short of our high standards and making it easy for you to understand how your data is used. And we will apologize. Fox News apologized to 16-year-old climate activist Greta Thunberg on Monday after conservative pundit called her, quote, a mentally ill Swedish child. Fox News said the network had no plans for that guest to appear as a guest in future shows. The comment made by Michael Knowles, who was a guest tonight, was disgraceful. We apologize to Greta Thunberg. And to our viewers, said Fox News spokesperson Thunberg, has Asperger's. No comment from this department. A Utah business owner has apologized after spraying a man smoking a cigarette in the face with a fire extinguisher in downtown Salt Lake City. I know the feeling, man. I do indeed. I didn't do it with a fire extinguisher, but I just 
poured water on a friend's cigarette one time. A, the new Louisiana Attorney General Jeff Landry's re-election campaign blamed the technical issue for a burst of text messages sent to thousands of cell phones across the state in the late night and early morning hours. Wake up. A political candidate wants you to uh, read something. The federal government of Mexico apologized to a member of an urban guerrilla movement who was tortured for 49 days and forced to watch the extrajudicial killing of her husband. I offer you a public apology in the name of the Mexican state in the period known as the Dirty War, said the country's interior secretary. And finally, hitmaker Mark Ronson has walked back his comments about identifying as sapiosexual. I do not consider myself part of any marginalized community. I apologize if anybody misunderstood or took offense to it, he told Rolling Stone. Sapiosexual, it's um, defined as someone who's attracted to intelligence and the human mind above other traits, including physical appearance and gender. The Apologies of the Week, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude this week's edition, this this highly synchronicitous ed- edition of the show. The program returns next week at the same time on the, our constantly dwindling roster of radio stations around the country and around the world and uh, on your audio device of choice whenever you want it. Hey, Alexa, you're looking good today. The makeup's working. And it would be just like Alexa not wearing makeup if we... Agree to join with me then, would you? Already, thank you very much. Uh-huh. A tip of the show, chapeau to the San Diego, Pittsburgh, Chicago, and Hawaii desks. Thanks, as always, to Pam Halstead and to Thomas Walsh at WWNO New Orleans and Jenny Lawson there, too, for help with today's program. And the email address for this show, the playlist of the music heard here, and your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts, all at harryshearer.com. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions, originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans flagship station of the Change is Easy Radio Network. So long from London Town.